Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Spencer. I'm joined by Colin. Hello. Uh, Jacob had a bit of a personal emergency, so he is not in attendance this week. He shitted his pants and had to run home, and then the poop monster was unhappy that he did not... Feed the poop monster. Uh, ...drop his blessings into the bowl, so he has to deal with that right now. Uh, yes. <laughs> he still has to edit this one, though. That's always fun. I, I, I like that experience of editing something when you weren't there for it. It's just so fresh. It's I wouldn't really know weird. what that's like. This is true. Why buy a comic that might cost more than a ton? Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. So this episode, uh, we're reviewing Hellboy, the 2004 uh, film directed by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, it was written by, DL, by del Toro and Peter Briggs. It is loosely based off of the first um, Hellboy story, Hellboy Seed of Destruction. Uh, it was released in 2004. That's basically it. It's a pretty straightforward movie, yep. if I'm being honest. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. I think the only thing that we can really talk about is like the little aesthetics and some choices, like how you... We're saying like things that you notice that they put horns on or like made to look like horns. Yeah. So this movie is a so yeah. It's a starting from the top. It's basically just a speed run through Seed of Destruction with some allusions to stuff at the towards the end of uh, Mike Mignola's Hellboy run, which uh, all of it wasn't published yet. So it's kind of it has that Harry Potter problem in a sense where the movies had to draw on things that weren't actually written down yet. So it, it has kind of a weird feel to it. Um, oh, I didn't know that about Harry Potter. Yeah, they didn't. Let's not get into that. Not all, not all the books were out by the time they started making the movies. So when you're that. making the movies, you don't actually know where the ending's going. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Anyways. <laughs> um, so it has a little bit of that feel to it. But for the most part, it's a fairly straightforward... Um, I, I would say it's like... It's an adaptation of the first story, but it treats it like the only story. And mm-hmm. that's simultaneously something I can appreciate about the script... That, like, it boils down most of what people like about Hellboy, and especially the Hellboy comics that were out at the time, into one story that is recognizable. But also, I don't like that it, in a sense, it kind of limits what you can follow up with, because they kind of almost landlocked themselves with the way that they utilized characters. Because they, in this story, they killed off, like, all the characters that were not actually dead by the end of Seed of Destruction that come back later in the comic. It's not like it's a bad thing. It's just no, a. They, they, it makes it they unique. Died in the comic before, and they come back. Like right. Rasputin's technically dead, but because of his soul being in the in the tree of whatever, Rasputin's Bob, always coming the back. Baba Yaga, his grandmother took him out. Blah blah blah. He's around for a little bit more. It just makes it a unique feeling to it because it, it 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 feels like a really cool distillation of where the Hellboy comics were at the time, and kind of where like American superhero movies were because yeah. it's very. It's got a lot of that early 2000s energy, which I like. You I know? like it. It's a, I don't know what the actual budget was, but it's got a fairly low budget feel in comparison to other superhero movies. I yep. mean, uh, like 60 million. But, so that's a, that's a decent sized budget, but not for like an action movie. No, but, but they surprisingly did very well for their CGI and their practical effects. The which practical effects mo- are fucking great. And the CGI still kind of like stands up, uh, like it, 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 it still stands. Yeah. Like, like how well it is, especially since it was like, a lot of times they would, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but I would like to think that they did, where they, a lot of the CGI is, like, kind of caked in, in like, shadow. Kind of yeah. like how stuff with, like, Jurassic Park was. Like, the reason why things look so good is because yeah. you can hide things better, not because it's dark, but because you don't have to do as much 
light. Yeah. And usually that's what kills CGI is trying to map the lighting out correctly. Yeah, the lighting is always a nightmare. Yep. And that's the thing that ages the worst. And that's the thing about the yeah, this movie, the there are various like chunks of fight sequences that are almost or near entirely CG and they still hold up really well. Yep. They're not they don't come across as like overly uh, cheap or unnecessary. I think the only times that I've noticed that it was like cheap looking is when he's crushing the Red Bull can where they didn't have to do that. There's a couple um, of times where it is like entirely unnecessary yeah. to do CG and it was probably the the usual reason why people do CG when they don't have to. It was a time or yeah. budget reason that, where that, they're like, fuck, we have to get this shot done. That, there was that and then there was also like uh, when his horns were coming out. The horns looked fine. I think that they made it so that they look they made you focus on that but if you look at his fist, his fist looks really weird before yeah. it transforms. But that's fine, too, because all the, like, really important stuff, uh, I think, looked very good. It does. The, the, the artificial environments are very, um, they're big enough where they, it feels, I don't know, it has the same feeling of the comic. There are large, expansive environments, but they don't try to overscale it. You know, they're um, probably because Guillermo was already, like, a veteran of the film industry by then. Mm-hmm. Like, he know he had an idea, like, how much you can get away with you know like as a director you're supposed to understand how the budget works and like how much time and energy you have to put into different aspects of your movie and it's like you don't want to overextend yourself and be like look at this we want this this scene to be in this huge environment it's like we don't have the time or money to render that Mm -hmm. or to create a set for it so like they there's a good amount of use of like on location stuff like in New York City or whatever other place they're filling in for New mm-hmm. York. Um, there's a lot of, of fully CG environments and there's a lot of stuff on like a soundstage, like the opening sequence, which is fucking phenomenal, is yep. definitely like on a soundstage yeah. in, a, in a warehouse. But it, it holds up really well for a, a budget of that size. Mm-hmm. And the practical effects stuff is phenomenal. Another thing that I really liked that about this, like you were saying that this movie's kind of landlocked in the things that like uh, it cut, it like burns bridges for other characters to return. But things that were nice about it was that they kind of brought a lot of what was happening in Hellboy already, like the uh, the corpse that that Hellboy uses to try to find like the entrance or whatever to where he needs to go. Yeah, uh, is a part of. It's from that comic. Yeah, because that would have been, that would have been a recently published short story yep. at the time. And um, that that's like they just take a lot of like stuff that's already happened and stuff that like people that are longtime fans would would notice. It's really good at using the iconography of the Hellboy stories, mm. but not. I think it's something that actually leads to why the next film is stronger is because it does that. We kind of fucked ourselves. Like, energy, where it's like, we kind of used up a lot of the story in a weird way, so we can't go back to it. But then the next movie basically has to be whole cloth, like, original creations, and it is really good. We're not going to talk about that, but, like, it's interesting to see the greater context of how that worked out. Like, there are other um, adaptations or, 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 like, movie series where, like, they start you off with, like, familiar territory, and then they kind of just go off the rails because they used up the, hey, you should get familiar with the world, this is kind of what you're working with. Yeah. And then they'll go to like the the screenwriters like original writing stuff. I don't I don't think I agree with you where I think that they fucked themselves. I think they just did they wanted to do that just because they wanted to make it coherent and like just finish that off. And be like okay, we can go on to like whatever's next in Hellboy universe. You yeah. Know? Instead of like Hellboy, it's kind of like the comics. It's reoccurring characters, whether it's good or bad. It's yeah. just we get reoccurring characters. 
Yeah. Um, but that's not always needed for a story. For sure. Um, the practical effects in general, the set designs are gorgeous. The the character models are really good. The I think Abe Sapien's uh, costume design Ooh. and the the minimal CG they use to touch him up honestly holds up better than Ron Perlman's like Hellboy outfit, yep. which looks really good. But and I, like, I was saying because uh, it's probably to do with the texturing and Hellboy is just like basically simply red. Right, he's just a red dude with a with like a prosthetic face and like some horns and shit. Yep. Versus Abe's like a whole wetsuit and yep. that. The amount of expressiveness that they captured in the 2000s with that is yep. insane. Um, another thing that I, I would uh, like to point out with that is the, like changing characters, like uh, how they are in the movies, like the adaptation from the comics. I, I said while we were watching this movie that Abe, Sapien, and the comics and movies are totally different characters. Quite. And that's a good thing. Yeah, because, because the movie kind of needs a comic relief. Where What I was going to say was that um, it's good that they changed that because in the comics, they're, Hellboy and him and, and Abe are both like these kind of edgelord dudes. I mean, Abe is probably more edgy than Hellboy is, and, and Hellboy is more of like kind of a goofy guy in the comics, but they made it so that Hellboy is sticks to his edge and then... Uh, Abe Sapien's just like, kind of just there, you know. He, he's like, a little he's bit. Reading. He's uh, he's has more of a um, opposite personality. He's, it's weird to say because he doesn't play like the role of the straight man in the story. That's obviously um, insert FBI agent name here. That's you know, yeah, yeah. the the normal person. But the Abe is like more well adapted. He's more kind of well settled into who he is as a person yep. and like how he fits in. Like he's even more alienated than Hellboy is, and he's. Oh, yeah, he's a little bit funnier. He's a little bit more of a comedic relief. Not, like, wholesale, but he's just kind of there. Like, he's just chilling, doing his own thing, and I, I think it contrasts well. Uh, instead of having two, yeah, similar characters going through somewhat similar arcs at different periods in their lives, now you kind of have the contrast of what, like, Abe has been through crazy stuff, too, and he's just doing his own thing. He's mm -hmm. not terribly worried about a lot of stuff. Um, versus Hellboy is all, you know... Re, I'm 14 and dad grounded me anger, yep, you know, pretty much. um, I think, uh, uh, Liz is really on really, really well done. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that they expanded her role from the comics a little bit. I like the illusions that the comics have to her importance to him, but she doesn't play that much of like a starring role very frequently after the first couple of issues. Well, actually they didn't, she's, uh, she didn't, she didn't really become a starring role until it was the BPRD where she, right. she's like a huge part of the apocalypse, but that was like way, way after this. Yeah. And that's the, that's what I like about it is I think it's, it's, it's a good idea to pull that in because you don't have I think it almost inspired that for, I, I would, I think I would go as far to say that it almost like kind of put that little seed of destruction that was bad. I uh, hate you. I don't know why I even did that. I, I was just gonna say seed and go ah destruction. <laughs> so it, like Kill I, feel, I feel like it. I I might. Uh, I feel like it planted that little seed in Mike's head. Be like, oh, she could be like a huge part of like the apocalypse. I just like that it 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 instead of the comics had the opportunity had the 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 ability to have her play that kind of role, like just in the back of Hellboy's mind all the time, because it was a, it was an ongoing thing for decades. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't have to, 
you can let the audience fill in how they, you know, they want her represented, you know, what her personality is like, because she doesn't appear that many times in the first few books. No, not really. Yeah, like, it's just enough, and you can let... part of the team. Right, like, you can let the audience imagine their, like, their perceived history, Mm -hmm. but in the movie, you can't really do that. No. (laughs) There's already so much that the movie has to do, because it's a very fantastical setting with a lot of crazy characters, so (laughs) instead of leaving it up to interpretation, it just hammers on it and I think that works well for the movie just having a more clear through line for their relationship um the fire effects don't hold up that great but it's still no, cool no but we're not gonna talk about that I like that it's fire blue fire effects like barely they ne- fire effects never hold up well I, really. I like that they're blue I think that contrasts well because yeah. she I, I don't know I like the contrast of the blue versus Abe's like turquoise to yeah, Hellboy's it, red yep. instead of her being like orangey red like yeah. Hellboy I, I, I like that as blue um, um, do we really have anything else to say about this? Not much, honestly. It's just, it's really solid. This is kind of a comfort movie. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. I, I, when I was watching this, I was, I never thought I'd say this, I was getting a little bored because I recently just watched, like, it's I one of those movies where it's easy just, to remember all of the beats, yeah, too. It's a, yeah. it's a pretty straightforward narrative. It's got clear characters. It's a pretty simple script. And I think that's the thing that is more impressive for me as I'm older now, and I've, I've read through the Hellboy comics a few more times, is... Yep. Um, Mike Mignola had, like, zero involvement in this movie. Yeah. Um, Guillermo del Toro just knows the comics that well, which yes. is really cool. And then that's, I think, the thing that makes it more than the the technical filmmaking or the performances. I think that's the thing that makes it so enjoyable to watch is it's made by a fan who is also a filmmaker. It's not made... Something I've complained about numerous times recently. There's a couple of horror franchises that are having recent uh, entries made by, like, fanboys, but they don't mm-hmm. seem to have a great track record on making movies. Um, they just are like gooey. They're just oogling over the franchise itself. Yep. And that's the thing that I like is it, it feels, it's not like, oh my God, I get to work on my favorite thing and they want me to do a movie. It's more like I want to provide my services to this franchise. I like, you know, mm-hmm. like it feels like this was something I have no idea how the behind the scenes on this happened, but it, like, it seems like this could have been something that Guillermo was like approached for maybe. I could see it going either way. Like he came up with a story idea and he's he pitched it to the studio, or they're just like, oh, we know a guy who like likes Hellboy too much, and then like they went from there. It just it feels very one minded. It doesn't feel like it has a lot of interference or mandates on it. It's just like it's just a fun a action romp, and that's all that it really needs to be. Yep. Um, that's honestly all there is to it, and I think I like that there isn't too much to analyze to it. It doesn't. This, the next movie has a lot more to it, mm-hmm. and I, I like that it, it started off, not easy, but it didn't feel the need to jump out the gate with like a big franchise builder. Mm-hmm. Like, look at all the world building, and there's so many things. And it's like, it's just a story of an angry monkey man. Like, that's it, you know? You could just leave it there, and it's fine. It's just about a talking dog, dude. Yeah. Do you even know what I'm talking about? Nope. Interview of the old Scooby-Doo movies. The guy that that plays Fred. Oh yeah, he's like, like uh, Freddie Prince Jr. is so funny. Like like the girl that plays Daphne, she she was like, you know, it's not really, it's not for just just for boys or just for girls, but people. And he's then he's like, story about a talking dog, dude. Honestly, <laughs> despite the fact that those movies are not very good, uh, the cast for those are great. Uh, yes, the cast uh, is fucking hilarious, and they've all gone on to have really cool careers. Otherwise, like Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard are like treasures to humanity. Yes. Like, Dude, Matthew Lillard is to gonna stop. be Purple Man. I, I have, I have to stop you. He's gonna be Purple yes, Man. Yes, I know this. I have to stop you. You have to pee. No, because I want to move on. We keep going. <laughs> <on a tangent. laughs> um, 
So moving on from Hellboy, because you're like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it needs to be overanalyzed. And <laughs> you're so overanalyzed. I'm like, you're just pulling shit out of your ass that I heard you say five minutes ago. That you're just saying it in a different light. Uh, what so, have you been reading? Or oh, watching? fine. Yeah, Lead with fucker. me. Eh. Uh, I read Iron Fist: The Shattered Sword. It is a paperback that collects the. For, uh, issues one through five of the most recent Iron Fist run from 2021. Yeah, how'd you like that? I like it pretty good. Uh, so it's written by Alyssa Wong with pencils by Michael YG. Um, so there is another... I think I mentioned this when I, I discussed the last uh, Iron Fist book. Danny Rand is no longer the Iron Fist. Yep. Uh, he willingly gave up the mantle for a whole host of reasons, uh, in continuity and out of continuity reasons. Basically, Marvel's kind of trying to uh, let the Asian cultures in Marvel Comics actually be portrayed by Asian characters. <laughs> um, and there's the mystery for this run is, who is this new Iron Fist? In the actual run, it's not really a mystery for more than like two pages, but the marketing for the series was all about, who's this this kid who's the new Iron Fist? Uh, it's Swordmaster, who's a character I have zero familiarity with, but seems, to have, a, seems to have a really crazy backstory. Um, I, I That sounds hella familiar. Don't say anything yet. <laughs> Hold on. It's Hold on. his comics are very like manga esque. Like not necessarily in terms of style, but like story tropes. Um, I've only read him in one thing previously, and that was like a tie into the death of Doctor Strange event. Um, I wasn't a big fan of that, but you know, Swordmaster Marvel. He's he's uh, been around for uh, I think about twenty years now. He's not a new character. Um, I've heard of him, but I've never seen anything of him. That sounds so familiar. He's not very popular. No. Um, he's just kind of always chilling in the background. But it's an interesting thing because I was um, inter. I wasn't really nervous about it, but I was interested in what Marvel wanted to do with either temporarily or permanently, like how they're going to maneuver around shifting the title to a new character. Is it going to be a whole new character? Is it going to be a character we've seen before? Is it another one of the you know, an iron, another Iron Fist supporting character that gets the... Like, how is that going to play out? Um, and I think they did a good a good, good job with this. Like I said, I have very familiar, very little familiarity with Swordmaster, so the fact that I like the character by the end of the book, that's kind of a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to look into his other stuff because he's a really crazy backstory. Basically, he's, like, destined by his family lineage to have this sword that traps demons and shit, but he busted it up really bad, and now there's shards in his arms... So he's got oh. like dual powers going on. It's re- it's pretty cool stuff. Um, I I I don't know. It was just I was it, the, the twist is revealed by like page three. Like he takes his mask off and then we we see who it is and it's like oh okay. So the, instead of the story being about some mystery, it's not actually about Danny Rand. Thank God. That was the thing. I was like oh it's gonna be Danny Rand having a mystery romp trying to find out who it is and it's still a da- it's still an Iron Fist book. With Danny Rand as the main character. And it's like, that would defeat the purpose mm-hmm. of changing the title to someone else. And it doesn't do that. Danny Rand is in the book uh, for the first issue and the last issue, I believe. He's relevant. He is trying to figure it out. But like it's such a it's like the, the Z plot to whatever's going on, which is really cool. Uh, the action is phenomenal. Like I said, it's pretty manga-inspired. Um, lots of really cool panels. Uh, a couple of good double double page spreads. The art on, in general is phenomenal. Um, very vibrant color choices. Really good texture work. The new Iron Fist outfit is fucking awesome. Um, the only thing I have, to, I have two negatives for this this thing that are really in well three. One, it's a limited series, and I think that's cringe. They didn't just make it a new ongoing. 
I get it's a uh, comics is kind of in a little bit of a, a not like a 90s slump, but like we're in a little bit of a slump right now. Sales yep. are kind of low. Um, blame the MCU, probably. Probably. <laughs> um, so I get that that sometimes you don't always you don't know if it's going to sell well enough, but it was really disappointing. And two, the run doesn't end in this book. It ends in a crossover that's not in this book. It's so fucking annoying. This. So at the end, uh, basically, the. I, there isn't much to spoil, but basically this character has a dead brother who it turns out isn't dead. And he's Whoa! a bad guy. I know. That's very, manga. very manga tropes. Uh, very sounds much like uh, 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 Devil May Cry. Yeah. Um, and this guy is bad. He's trying to like summon all the demon lords and like whatever. Um, yeah, sure. And instead of it finishing off, this feels like it would have been like a six issue run. It is a tie-in issue to an event which is annoying, but I get happens when there's a major ongoing event that deals with realms and dimensions and stuff. You know, you kind of have to pull in all your runs, but it, it ties into the Avengers X-Men Eternals crossover event Judgment Day, which I'm hearing good things about, but they don't include that tie-in issue in this book because I know it's not, he's not relevant to the main run. It's just, what are the other characters doing at the moment that might be vaguely related to the event? That's always what like the companion books are like, you know? And I just, it pisses me off so much because this book was already $17 and now I have to go look at the companion book. Like, it's one other fucking issue. You should have included that. And then the, this story would be complete. So now it feels like I got ripped off. Even though I really like the story, I don't have the ending. Um, his evil demon brother teams up with Loki, which sounds really cool, but you don't get to see any of it because it's in the other issue. Um, yeah, just cutting off the finale is such a cheap move. It really fucking annoying um i do hope this does get continued though now that the judgment day event is over um i haven't looked into it but i, I do hope that they do continue with this version of the character and if you want to have if you want to have him and danny Rand both be iron fist like i have no opposition to danny Rand being the iron fist i get the concerns though i think it's more important that danny Rand, in continuity like understands the fact of why people don't like that he's the iron fist and he does like that's been a thing for like 10 years now like he knows he just literally went to fucking Nepal, stole some people's culture, and then ran away with it. Like, he knows that. This is a well-established thing in the comic. He feels bad for it, you know? All the fun stuff. So if they want to do, like, a two-lead, two different plot lines in the same story, you know, just an A plot, a plot and a B plot, I'm fine with that. I think that could sell pretty well, and I would like them to do that, honestly. Um, I'm just... I'm confused what the point was, because they did a, a good run. I think it sold okay. Um, it has a pretty solid reception, Ties into an event, and I have heard nothing since. And it's like, are you going to restart the run? Are you going to just trash the whole thing, make Danny Rand the Iron Fist again? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yep. Marvel editorial, not really the issue with the book. Yep. Uh, I bought it at Jetpack for $17. I would say get it on sale. Um, it's really just because it doesn't feel complete. For the entertainment I got for the book, it was worth the price. But because I now need to go track down another issue, it just the, the hassle is really annoying. Right. Um Good, good, good book to read though. It was very fun for sure, and that's really what most of the like the martial arts focused books need to be. Is they need to be really fun and very, very good action. Much, very smooth. Good, good, kicky, kicky, mm. slappy, slap. Kiki, kiki, slip, slap. What have you been doing? Ow! I have glasses. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so I watched uh, recently the the. Demolition Man, oh. which is a story about a man who is a cop who has been chasing this black dude. Surprise. 
That uh, doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> who is like basically Black Joker. What? He's like Black Joker. Bloker. Yes. Yes, he's Bloker. Oh my god. Uh, and he's been chasing him for two years, eventually caught him in this like big building and he's trying to find these hostages and uh, he's like, the hostages aren't here, blah, blah, blah. I killed them all. He's like, no, they're not. And then the building's about to explode. So he gets the bad guy out of there because he wants answers. But the bad guy's like, haha, you ha, you let all these people die. And he's like, what? What do you mean? And they're like, the other cops are like, there's bodies in here. There has to be like 38 people. And so like he's being tried for manslaughter, blah, blah, blah. Oof. Because um, he didn't try to like get back up or anything blah blah blah. he's just a shitty cop yeah he no. thinks he's cool but the thing is that they treat it like um like he he uh didn't do any wrong because the the bot the, the people that were in there were dead already because before he went into this building he did like a heat scan or whatever and there was no heat signatures from people picking up so they were dead already but he still let the building explode like he didn't care or whatever weird um anyway uh, that's just the beginning of the movie. Demolition Man is uh, a fucking Demo- crazy movie. Uh, it's shit. Uh, Demolition Man, uh, which stars Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes, they are put into a cryo-freeze for 75 years, and they come out to 2032, uh, to find a world where it's, uh, fascism, where everything is, anything that's bad for you is illegal, uh, they use three she- seashells to wipe their asses. Whoa. Um, no such toilet a weird paper. Detail. Uh, every, every franchise is owned by Taco Bell because of the franchise wars, but there's nothing bad because Taco Bell taste is like better for you now because anything bad is illegal. Um, and the way you're describing this is so funny. Uh, this is not the way I would have described it at all. Well, this is what I got. This movie has like no substance. Basically, there is <coughs> there's Demolition Man. He is brought back because Wesley Snipes got a bloker got taken out of cryo-freeze for some reason, and he has all this great knowledge because the guy, the fascist man, who's who's running this whole, like, city, or I think it's just, like, the city that's like this, or I can't tell if it's everywhere, but it makes it seem like it's only the city that's like this, where it's, like, a city-state, and uh, the, the, whole, the whole place is run by this one guy, and he's the one that made their way of life, and blah, 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 and he brought him back because he doesn't like the underground people uh, because the underground people want to actually live their lives rather than being told what they can or cannot do. They want to swear because, oh, guess what? You get penalized. You 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 have to pay a fine if you swear. And if you keep swearing, it's a, it's an offense and the cops come get you. And guess what they say? They firmly say, come with me. And you're like, oh, I'm a little cookie boy. I'm scared of the cops. And the cops don't even, like, fight anyone. They don't know how to fight because it's illegal to kill or fight. There hasn't been a, uh, a murder kill since uh 2019 in this world so they have no one's ever died of anything other than natural cause for years strange apparently um and smells every, like a lie to me everyone's coded and but 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 yeah big big fascist man doesn't like these guys because they won't they won't live his life and they're all dirty and they all want to do what they want to do and they keep stealing food because they're going hungry because they're not accepted up in regular society Basically, there's all those things going around. Sylvester Sloan's trying to stop Wesley Snipes. He befriends the the dirty uh, rat people. Uh, Wesley Snipes gets some of his bad guys to kill this uh, fascist dude because he's sick of him telling him what to do. And Wesley Snipes can't kill him because he's coded in his brain that he can't, and he's supposed to help him. Wesley Snipes dies by freezing to death, and and uh, 
Uh, Sylvester Stallone kicks his rubber head. That's ice, but it's rubber, because Hollywood. Uh, kicks his rubber head, and he's dead. Also, sex. You don't have sex in this world. It's all VR chat. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's all VR chat. And, uh, the incels would be very happy. Because uh, having sex... You can't have sex. You're not supposed to have sex physically because of uh, STDs and having fun and blah, blah, blah. You can have and, sex with your uh, VR, oh, with your oh, VR oh, girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Or also, you can't have a baby. You have to have a license to have a baby. And you go to a lab and you get your, uh, your, your, your liquids purified and make a tube baby fucking weirdos and then that smells like eugenics that's nice yep and then by the end when it's all happy honky dory the uh the the sewer dwellers and the people that are all like up up in uh like in normal world uh they're like what do we do now sylvester salone he's like hey hey i think you guys need to get a little dirty you guys need to get a little clean and we'll figure out everything in between Wow. And that's how they end the fucking movie. <laughs> and then Sylvester Stallone, like, rape kisses um, his, like, partner. That's nice. Yeah, because, like, she, she, they were having sex, VR chat sex, and he's like, what is this? Why don't we touch each other? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, ew, that's so gross. You gotta leave. And by the end of it, he, like, does that stupid, like, sailor kiss thing. Oh, so he just, and he just pulls, like, a Deckard. Yes, he pulls a Deckard. And she's like, oh, I kind of like that, teehee. That's nice. Yeah, because everyone in this world's a virgin. I actually literally I, everyone's a virgin. I just realized that everyone's a virgin by these lords. They're all virgins, even though at one point in this movie, like he's trying to watch a movie, Sylvester Stallone's trying to watch a movie or whatever, and this naked chick uh pops up on his phone and like goes right to the screen and she's like talking to this person and she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're the wrong person." Like covers up her fat tits. It's like. So this VR chat, no having sex, but show off your body. So you don't like this movie? I hate this movie. I actually really like it. I know it's bad, but I find it very funny. I wanted to like it. The jokes were bad. It's funny, quote, end quote, funny because it's cringe. I wanted to like this movie, and it's lucky it's lucky that I'm giving it one star out of seven. Wow. Because of bloker Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is very funny. Wesley to watch. Snipes. Those... He, was, he was the only one that was like genuinely funny. Yeah. I think he was genuinely like like he landed the jokes and stuff Sylvester Sloan's like, ah, ah, ah. Accurate. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's her name? What's the name in, in what's the lady's name in Rocky? I don't. Uh, Adrian. Adrian! Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Sylvester Stallone, when he's given the right material, he can do a phenomenal performance, and then the other half of them are just absolute garbage. Hand. Suicide Squad. Was that actually him? That was him. That was Sylvester. Wait, 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 wait. Did I forget that? Am I stupid? Yes, I'm a simp. Holy fucking shit! Yes! I forgot that! Holy shit! Yeah. Like, he can, uh, Tulsa King, the show that's on uh, Paramount, it's actually really good. Like, he's, when he's given the right material, he can fucking nail it. It's just, sometimes, he doesn't, and it's really bad. Well, I also think that was just, like, his, early in his career anyways. And yeah. also, the movie Shit. Yeah. It, it, Poor it, direction. It's, you it's can't... like George Clooney doing uh, Batman and Robin. Oof. Yeah, like you can't even really blame the actor at that I point. I can't even blame George it's just, Clooney. It's just bad direction. Yeah, yeah, it is bad direction. It's a shit movie. 
I agree. It's it's kind of a guilty. That's I, an actual guilty pleasure. I wasted my time yeah. and like four bucks. You rented it? There's no other. It's it's. It, that was when I forgot I knew how to pirate. <laughs> Why did you watch it? Why did I watch it? Yeah. Why did you just randomly think about? Why did you go out of your way to watch this? I because uh, I saw some Wesley Snipes clips yeah. and I thought they were funny. Huh. Um. And I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. And also, I like I like future stuff. Yeah. And so... Uh, it's a very incoherent world. <laughs> so, I would say I rented it for like four bucks on Amazon Prime. I would never do that again. So, I would recommend people either pirating it or stealing it from your dad's basement. Your dad definitely has this in Your dad basement. definitely has this. My movie. dad loves this movie. <laughs> My dad does not have this movie because he has good taste. Oof! Yep. Does he... He actually has really good taste in movies. Weird. I guess it's genetic. Six and a half hours later. Because, like, The Menu, like, again, it's one of my favorite movies. The only reason it got knocked down was because there's so many, like, really high-profile movies I was looking forward to. It was my favorite movie. I had no idea it was coming. And it's like, the whole movie is so, it's pristinely crafted. It's mm -hmm. really intricate. And then at the end, it's like, eat cheese, Borgor. Like, that's, the movie's like, sometimes... You don't have to be a pretentious asshole, even if it, you're right and it's cool that it's so pristinely cool and whatever. Sometimes it's okay to like cheeseburger, and that's, that's why I said that's why I was saying it was good. Yes, because it, it took it so so seriously, and then it goes to this, and it's still being serious, but it's also like it's that simple yeah. to satisfy someone because it doesn't need to be deconstructed. Another thing that I took it as a message. Like I haven't seen all of I haven't seen the movie, but I cannot Get help but go it. anywhere on the internet without clips. So I'm getting on it. Don't oh, worry. Oh, so um, and where she's like, I don't want this deconstructed bullshit. I want to enjoy something. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we don't always have to deconstruct movies or deconstruct everything. Yeah. Just enjoy something because you want to enjoy it. Like, yes. Batman Returns. Something. Yeah. Like, it's, and that's it, a it's a fucking. I know those movies are dog shit. <laughs> I know. I know that. I know it's stupid, but I can't help but like it. It's just one of those things where... But you cannot have that opinion with Batman and Robin. I just, I, I'm sorry, you well, no. cannot. No, I Batman do... Batman Forever is a different story. Yeah, Batman Forever is like... It's it's actually like... Fine. It actually it's, has a theme. Well, no, it does. It's just... it. The movie, as is currently released, it's fine, I guess. I can enjoy it. It's fine. It's fine. It's really good with a few drinks. It, 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 it did more to, for Bruce Wayne Batman's character than then, any of then the, the other two, Than the two Burton movies did. Yes. It just didn't have the footage <laughs> it just was edited moving into oblivion on, moving on what else wait no that's you're next i just talked about demolition man yes i know you know what else is next a new spider-man uh i read spider-man bloodline so oh my fucking word. this was a book i forgot existed for a while i forgot i forgot because this so this was a really high profile thing when it was announced and then it like fell off the face of the planet Turns out, because it was bad, um, but this, so this was written by J.J. Abrams and his son Henry, with art by uh, Sarah Pacelli. I'm not going to trash the book, because it does, it's, it's fun, I give that, it's not, it's not abysmal, it's just not good. <laughs> this, it definitely feels like it was mostly written by Henry, and then J.J. had to put his stamp on it to get it made, yep. you know, it feels like a nepotism book, it feels like he, you know, J.J. Abrams called up some people at Marvel and was like, hey, my son has a Spider-Man story. I want to work with him on it. Can you get us an artist to help? You know, and then like, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not opposed to that. I'm okay. Like, it's, I would rather encourage, because I think his son's like 15 or 16 when he wrote this. Like, I'd rather encourage him to, he's a little younger than us. 
I'd rather encourage him to get better than like just trash him. Oh, his like sixteen-year-old kid did. This? Yeah, no, like his son. And then oh, uh, I thought this was like a twenty-something-year-old guy. No, like he yeah. was his teenager. Oh, never mind then. Don't trash yeah, it. Right. It's like it's not. It's not great. It just. It's got that. It reeks of inexperience more than yeah. anything else. Um, My comic will too. And it was co-written by J.J. Abrams, so I don't know who did what. I don't know if he just rubber-stamped it or whatever. Um, basically, this book takes all the stuff from Amazing Spider-Man that people didn't like, and that's most of this. No. So, okay, here's the deal. Um, Spider-Man, ha- so there's a this new enemy... The enemy's bad. I don't even remember their name. It's just, it's like a, it's a, just a dude. It's nothing exciting. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, uh, Peter and MJ are married. They have a son. I don't remember his name. Um, I think his name is Sam or whatever. Um, and MJ dies. A villain just straight up mercs her in like the first two pages of this book. Uh, and then it jumps forward like 10 years. So Peter is no longer Spider-Man. He's a washed up dad. You know, um, his son doesn't know that he used to be Spider-Man. The, his son is always staying with Aunt May because Peter's always working or whatever. Um, <sighs> Aunt May's still alive. Yeah, she's pretty old. Um, <sighs> so Peter's like mid-40s probably. Um, yeah, and then all the plot stuff happens. Um, basically, turns out his son has Spider-Man genetics because of course. Which does, I guess, make sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It, it, but like his son has Spider-Man powers... He meets a girl from his school, and they get into shenanigans. And it's not exciting. Um, and then he dresses like this girl. Like they go to like vandalize some stuff, and this girl gives him like a a cheap, shitty Halloween costume for like Spider Man. Spider Man twenty ninety nine. No. Um, <laughs> basically, he puts on his dad's old costume, and she's like, "Well, that doesn't fit, right?" That's like, "Where'd you get that?" Like Party City. Because it's such, it's so, the whole book is really convoluted. And that's the thing that really drives me crazy is there's a handful of cool ideas, but it's borderline incoherent. Basically, he gets caught up in shenanigans. He finds out his dad used to be Spider-Man. Peter is fucking pissed. Peter, Peter has losing, like, lost an arm. Like, he's gnarled the fuck up. You know, his wife died. Like, a whole, and the kid's doing the whole, oh my god, dad, no, you need to be, it's, it's like Spider-Verse, but bad. It's just, it does the whole, you know, washed up ex Spider-Man needs a young person to remind him why he's Spider-Man and like mm-hmm. <sighs> I really wanted to like this. Mm-hmm. I really did. It was a weird idea. It was cool that Marvel was doing another out of continuity story with a weird creative team. But like yeah, like um MJM ends up coming back and having Spider-Man powers. Peter dies at the end of the book. There's so many things. It just it does the like Spider-Blood lineage stuff. Yep. And the, like, you're predestined to be Spider-Man stuff. Yep. And it's all bad. I hate that. I've always hated that. I don't... I barely even like the Spider-Totems idea, like, from the Spider-Verse comics. I'm kind of iffy on it. Sometimes it's okay, but... <clears throat> eh, not a fan. Um, and when it get, when the plot actually kicks off, the tone rapidly changes and it gets very goofy. They meet Iron Man, who's also a washed-up alcoholic. Like, hardcore. Like, he's drunk the whole book. Which I thought was funny because like all the Avengers are dead, like all his friends are dead. It's an interesting spot, but they play it way too much for comedy. Like it's, I get it's a book about like a fourteen year old, so you don't want it to be like that dark. But it just they play it like they don't even really explain it. It's just 
it's in the future. A lot of battles have happened and like all the Avengers are dead. And then Tony Stark suits up for like five minutes. Um, Riri Williams is in the book. She was actually fine. She's like his like assistant at like Stark Industries. She has her own suit. Like the, it's <sighs> the book wants to have themes of responsibility and legacy and perseverance and just none of it lands. Um, on the bright side, the art is fucking stellar. Sarah Pacelli is one of my favorite, like, semi-realist artists working. Um, she mostly does work with Marvel. It's gorgeous. Some of the designs are very overdone. I don't like the villains. The villains are abysmal. Hey, take a, take a, get, let me get, let me get. They're old Star Tech employees. I'm not even joking. It feels like a joke. Um, but the art is really good. The proportions are well done. The facial expressions are phenomenal. It's... It feels very Marvel, you know. Um, there's a there's a vibe. It's very it's vibey, you know. DC books. So, these... so she dies by uh, while Spider Man's fighting aliens. Uh, sort of aliens from aliens. Sure, um, that's what they literally look like. Kinda, yeah. Not kinda. Look yeah, at yeah, that. Yeah, I know, I know. They're very H.R. Geiger designs. So you know how DC books kind of have a vibe to them, especially right now. They all have a a somewhat similar aesthetic, which I enjoy. Marvel books tend to also have a similar aesthetic during each phase of their publishing initiatives. This book feels like a Marvel book. It has the vibes. It's got that, what Stan Lee used to say, like the world outside your window. It's got really good Marvel energy to it. I love Sarah Pacelli's art. But oh my God, the story makes it unbearable. <laughs> um, the designs get crazier as the book goes on. There's some stuff that doesn't land, like the villain design I don't like. I don't like some of the spider suits at the end of the book. I already hate how this is starting. Like, Spider-Man is that fucking weak. It's, it just, it's weird. I don't get it. Um, his kid's kind of annoying. It's not, he's not an unbearable protagonist by any means. He's just kind of bland. Um, I don't know. It's, it just, it has a lot of the stuff in Spider-Man books I don't like over reliance the Avengers currently pushing Tony Stark really heavily, uh, because of MCU related connections, um, has a lot of it's, it's got MCU style quips, which is only a vibes based thing. Yes. She comes back. Yes. Uh, and she's got powers. It's a whole thing. It's, and that's what I mean is like this book, it's five issues long and it goes through so many plots. It's insane. It just, it's a book I really wanted to root for, but it was just really disappointing. Um, I really like the Spider-Man design, though, for this book. This, the regular suit, when it's not destroyed to fuck, um, I really do think it looks good. And I think it looks good on this kid when, it, when he like kind of grows into it. I, I like the vibes. It's just... Uh, not a big fan. Um, yeah. So I bought... So MJ was one of those things? Yeah, she died and was, like, absorbed into the hive or whatever. That's fucking weird. It's, it's weird. And that's the thing with most of this, that I, I, it's, I hesitate to call all of it bad. It's just so weird, and it's... The different ideas don't mesh together very well. Yeah, I'm not liking that. Not really. Um, but, like... Is there anything else you want to say about it? Like, that's a good suit design. It's clean. Well, it's a... It's a it's the regular. It's it's an. It's, up, a, it's literally the same. Suit it's an as updated. Any other suit. It's an up. Yeah, well, it's an updated Ditko design. It's just I really like her line work. It's very sharp. He stands out well. Yeah. That's cool. Um. Yeah. It, so this is five issues long. Um. I bought it at Jetpack. It's eighteen bucks. That's a lot for this. Uh. This. I feel like I'm. Well, I'm gonna keep it because I don't like throwing away stuff well, I buy. Yeah, no. 
I feel like I would put this on a coffee table. It's cool to flip through. The art is really nice almost all the time, even if I don't necessarily like all the designs. I feel like I'd put that on my shelf and never mention it again. Yeah, it's just... Uh... And if someone asks, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's... Eh, I don't start there. Yeah, no, it's just... Yeah, it's very bizarre. Um... Yeah, it was colored by Dave Stewart, which is always great. He's one of the goats, so... Literally one of the two people Ooh. that colors everything in the world. <laughs> yeah, I swear my trees behind my house are colored by him because he colors everything. <laughs> everything I see. So, is, uh, is that the end for you? For that one, yes. Okay. So, uh, I guess uh, my next uh, topic point will be Chainsaw Man Episode 3. Oh, boy. Uh, cause I talked about one and two. So basically this is just, um, I guess I'll give the like two sentence synopsis that it has, which happens to be, uh, Denji picks his new dream power. The blood fiend offers to help him if he rescues her old pet cat Meowie. So, uh, Denji is just basically just Again, wanting to touch boobs and wanting to be with Makima. And he's just, like, introduced to uh, um, Power, who is the uh, Power Fiend. And so she... Uh, they, they both are, are set on to patrol the city. And um, they're kind of left alone to be kind of trusted to be alone, even though they're technically being watched all over the place. Um... They have a small jurisdiction that they're allowed to go around. They can't, like, go off into, like, another town or another city or whatever just to hang out unless if she is signed out. She has to be signed out because she's a fiend. He, on the other hand, there's no actual written restriction for him yet. He's going off of, like, word of mouth from, like, Makima. And, of course, he will listen to her because he's a little cucky boy that wants to touch boobs. Um, and so after going on patrol and being bored and whatever, they leave and because he wants to touch boobs and oh hold on i'm trying to remember this correctly right so he's talking about his dream wanting to touch boobs whatever and she's like i'll let you touch my boobs oh, if you help me find my cat meowie he's like eh. and so he helps her find, uh, she knows exactly where she, the cat is because the cat was taken from her by the bat devil who, um, basically she's tricked into getting, getting him new blood all the time, um, uh, before she was a part of the, uh, devil hunters organization. And, uh, she tricks Denji into going there, knocks him out, and brings him there to be eaten by the devil so that this is like her last time having to bring someone there and she gets her cat back. But it doesn't work out. She's not allowed to have the cat back. She's too weak to even fight that devil. But then she's inside the stomach, turns all chainsaw, and fucks him up. And um, he thinks that he's all set because uh, right before he gets fucked up, he's like flying in the air. The bat devil's flying in the air. He's like, aha, I have my arms back. I can do whatever I want. I can kill all these people. I can kill all these children and women because I love their blood the most, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets all fucked up. And then um, both of those two get 
taken away from the Devil Hunters, and they're on patrol again. And then they have to fight his lo- the dev- uh, the Bat Devil's love interest, who's like a tapeworm devil, and it's disgusting. Like that, that there ha- this devil is like one of the strongest that they fought because she's ginormous because of how powerful she is and how many people are scared of like tapeworms and shit. Cause that's how it works. The more scared you uh, they are of you, the 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 t- the, the more powerful devil you become. <coughs> wow. Um. So, they do battle, big fight. Uh, Denji's losing, but he's like, um, all these other people are trying to like get get her, and she's like, "You're too weak." Blah blah blah. And so it's all like something to do with like. Uh, your dream's too weak to fight me. You're too scared of me. Blah blah blah. And he's like, "Well, all your dreams want to suck because all my dream is I want to touch boobs. So my dream's the most powerful dream." And so he goes and basically is like annihilating her, and then he loses too much blood, so his power is weakened. But they're saved by my favorite he- my favorite character, Aki Hayakawa, who all he does is he takes his right hand and he makes a dog looking. Uh, hand gesture and looks right through the hole of the mouth of the dog and he goes Kong. and a giant fox devil's head comes out of nowhere chomps on that shit and that thing's dead and that's basically that episode Chainsaw Man is so fucking weird it is weird it's that's, so weird so it's uh, it may sound boring but it's actually entertaining oh I know I watch it I know. I'm talking to the and it's like it's it's almost slow for the first couple episodes, and I felt like it was slow in the co- in the manga too. When I was first reading like these issues that the 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 anime is like uh, adapting, but it's it's just going uphill from here. This show is so good. Spencer can concur. It's so good. It's so fucking weird. I swear, this is the weirdest anime I have ever watched. Really? Yeah, I think so. Other than the 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 weird sussy shit that I turn off immediately because I realized I went to the wrong side of the internet. Yes. Uh, no, it's the weirdest thing that I'm like I'm okay discussing that I talk about. I I I love Chainsaw Man. It's great. Uh, who's your who's the character that you like the most right now? I mean, it, it's Denji. You like Denji the most? The main character? Yeah, I'm boring. Dude, I love Aki. Aki's such a shithead. He talks to his fucking sword, and he's like, how many years do I have? And the sword's like, you got two years, bub. He's like, fuck. And he takes a pack of cigarettes, starts smoking it, and he's like, so, such a clean freak. And uh, I just like Aki. He's such a dickhead. Anyway, that's uh, that's my second talking point. Spencer You're a dickhead. Stories. I am a dickhead. Uh, I read... Superman Last Sun. Uh, this is, it's a, a reread, actually. I haven't read this book in, I think, three or four years. Um, I didn't realize I had it on my shelf. I accidentally bought another copy. Um, Jeez, oh. I'm dumb, I'm dumb. What are you going to do with your second copy, dude? I already got rid of it. Good. Um, I don't remember what I did with it. I think I gave it to somebody. Wow, I'm surprised you didn't like, sell it to somebody. I don't have the energy to sell shit. Um, yeah, so this is, there we go. Uh, this is a in-continuity post-crisis Superman story. So this is... When did this come out? Like 2008. 2007, 2008. Uh, so this is Action Comics 844, 845, and 846. 851 and Annual 11. Oh my so this is... Where 
those are a lot of numbers, buddy. So during uh, the, like the mid to late 2000s, DC had all their ongoings collected into books that weren't necessarily like numbered. They were given titles, which is very annoying for collecting. Um, yep. But it would be like, you know, this arc is just called this thing by this team. And then the next book would just be, it's by an entirely different team half the time. So, you know, whatever. Um, basically, uh, this is co-written by Richard Donner. Uh, and Jeff Johns. Um, I can tell who has which parts of the writing, but that's a different story. Um, this was one of the last things that Richard Donner did uh, before he passed away uh, as well. <clears throat> so this is... Um, it also has art by uh, Adam Kubert. Adam and Andy Kubert are also some of my favorite artists. They're phenomenal. They have some duds here and there, but they're very, they're very good. I like... They got that... They both have a lot of that Frank Miller, but in the good timeline energy. Very blocky, big, chunky stuff. Mm. Um, they, they do have distinct styles, the two brothers, but I, I, I do like Adam the most. Um, a rocket ship lands in Metropolis containing a boy that Superman thinks is Kryptonian. He is Kryptonian. Um, and then he has to figure out what it means to protect him. And this is kind of a test run uh, of sorts for uh, Jonathan Kent, uh, who would be coming shortly after this. Um... So Superman and Lois are, you know, they're married. They're already together. They've been together for ages. Um, and, they, you know, this kid crashes. He causes destruction because he's confused. He speaks Kryptonian, which Clark doesn't, but his brain translates. It's a whole thing. Um, he, like, kind of learns it through sign language. It's very strange. Kryptonian, <laughs> Kryptonian's weird, man. Um, but he, you know, uh, this boy gets taken by the feds. Uh, and Superman's like, hey, no funny business. And then they're like, we promise. And then Superman wakes up. The next day, and they're like, Lamau, we did funny business. Lamau. Yeah. Um, so it turns out this is the son of General Zod and uh, Feora uh, from, they're currently in the Phantom Zone. Uh, so I believe this is the first post crisis meeting of those characters and Superman, if I remember correctly. So we're getting a little bit of some of that Richard Donner, Superman, and Superman 2 energy going on. Um, so they basically, you know, they, they, they don't love each other. They just had a son because, you know, genetic supremacy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and this, this kid, you know, he learns how to kind of fit in with humans a little bit. He's like Clark and Lois's, they, they pretend he's like their third cousin or whatever. Um, so they basically pseudo adopt him for a while until they can figure out what to do with him. Superman literally kidnaps this boy from the feds because the feds are like, haha, we hit him actually. And then he's like, yeah, I'm going to find him. And then, oh shit! I think I remember seeing panels of this. Okay. It's a really good book. Yeah, so Superman he basically like busts and he just yeah he just like out. steals the boy. He's like, "You're gonna be with me now." And he goes to his his parents' house. He's like, "Hey, how did you like adopt steal me?" Yeah, like how did you do this? And they're like, "We got you, fam." And then they like teach him how to make like fake IDs. It's so funny. Oh, my word. I love the Kents. They're great. Yes. Um, I do. I think every interpretation of the Kents, whether it be. Ma and Pa Kent are both still alive, or it's just Ma Kent, or if they're both dead. I like all versions of them. Yeah. I've never, there's never been a version of them I don't like to some extent. They're always great. Um, so then the Phantom Zone gets busted open, blah, blah, blah. Shenanigans ensue. They're like, that's our son! And, and the boy's like, no, dad, fuck you. Um, that's basically most of the story. It's just about Superman coming to grips with not being the last Kryptonian alive. Uh, they they mention numerous times. It's like, well, actually, the Phantom Zone is just full of crypto like Kryptonians. There's just a fuck ton of them in there because that's where they sent their criminals. And it's like, so I am the last one, but like not really. But they're all like genocidal monsters. So, what does that mean about me? You know, like all sorts of fun stuff there. Um, eventually, the boy has to go back into the Phantom Zone to destroy it or to to pull his parents back through. <clears throat> 
you know, he does his whole, I choose these people, you know, Clark is my daddy, the whole nine yards, exactly what you'd expect. Um, and then he goes back in and then there's another, I believe it's Mon-El. Um, it's another Kryptonian character who I have very little familiarity with. He becomes relevant at some points in the Superman comics. Basically, he's a guy who got sent into the Phantom Zone in a, a previous version of Superman. There's some mind wipe stuff going on. But basically, Superman had like forcefully forgotten that he had sent someone into the Phantom Zone to keep him from dying because time stops there. Mm. Hence why Zod's like 40 yep. and not like ancient. Um, so then he, you know, the, the two of them communicate. He remembers who he is and, you know, he's all sad because he trapped someone to like basically living forever but in a hellscape. Um, and then Monel like tries to find, um, this kid, I don't remember his name. Um, <laughs> you know, like he gets lost at the Phantom Zone at the end and this, this guy, like they can communicate cause Superman has like a, a Phantom Zone TV basically. <laughs> and the book ends with Monel just trying to keep going on expeditions through the, the Phantom Zone is this un- uncomprehensible weird scape of stuff. Like there are buildings and cities and worlds there. It's a whole thing. So he just keeps trying to find this kid. I think they find him eventually in another story. They bring him back temporarily. He was received okay-ish, but it was definitely a prototype for what if we make Superman a dad, the best decision DC's ever made. Um, I like it. It's really good. Um, There are some Jeff Johns moments, a writer who I'm kind of getting sullied on as time goes on. There are some jokes that don't 100% land. There's some just some, some goofball shit. Um, but Richard Donner is one of those guys who just understands Superman. And yes, a lot of the energy he brings to this book is a lot of retreading stuff from the two Superman movies he made, but I think that's fine. I think that's kind of what Superman needed in this period in time because that wasn't what he had in continuity as like his story. They're just things that we think of in the cultural osmosis that aren't actually canon to the comics, like mm-hmm. Batman being trained by the League of Shadows. That's not a thing. No. That's just what a lot of people think because the Nolan movies did it. They were really popular. And sometimes people act like it was a thing, but it's not. It wasn't part of the actual story. Um, So I think it was a good idea to bring Donner in to kind of bring in some of those plot elements of his movies that a lot of people really enjoyed. It's got a nice vibe to it. I think that's the thing that's more important than a lot of those plot specifics that maybe aren't the most Mm -hmm. well-polished. Really good character interactions. A lot of really good panel work. Um... Just good, wholesome Superman shit. But it's super, it's Superman in crisis, but also still Superman. And that's the thing that, like... <clears throat> it just seems like so many people are get so really upset by when it's like, Superman's having self-doubt. And it's like, oh my god, he's so sad. It's like, that's like every book. Oh my god. Superman's like always Superman's like, always doing that. It's You can uh, present it in ways that don't feel right. I get that. But this book does that. He's constantly like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm like, uh, I'm... I am stealing a genocidal warlord's son and keeping him as my own and like trying, like, what am I doing here? You know, but it just is good. It's good. It's got some of that. People believe in Superman so he can do anything energy. And that's kind of what you need. Um, All right. So uh, how would you read it? I don't know, man. I gave it like a five star on Goodreads. I bought it for, but it used, I think it's stairway for like $10. I think it's like a 15 to $18 trade. It's like five or so issues. It's worth cover price. It's a really good book. It's a very good, despite the fact that it takes place in the ongoing action comics run, it's a nice little somewhat contained story. It's a good, I wouldn't say entry point exactly. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. start off anything, but if you're someone who hasn't read Superman recently or like 
you're just not super familiar, it's not the worst story you can start with. It's got a lot of classic Superman energy. It's got a little bit of modernization in it. It's got Superman going through some emotional crises. It has some bits from the movies you might recognize. It's a good, it's a very well-rounded book. Yep. I dig it. All right. What else you got, bitch? Well, I was, I forgot to mention something about the Demolition Man that I wanted to say. Why? Uh, because I thought it was strangely, uh, relate, uh, not relatable, uh, rele- relevant. When they're, re- uh, in the, in the movie, they're like releasing all, uh, Wesley Snipes is like releasing all the bad guys from the cryo, whatever, the cryo prison. Cause they, cause he just wants to, I guess. And I'm an uh, agent of chaos. Yeah. And, and one of the last people he's like, who do we have left? He goes through a list. He goes. Ah, uh, Daniel, blah, 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 blah. Jeffrey Dahmer? Oh, I love that guy. What the fuck? And I was like, what the fuck? That's so weird. I was watching that, like, now I'm like, that's so fucking crazy that this shit keeps happening to me when I'm watching these movies, like, years, years, like, almost, like, yeah, decades later from, like, when, when they came out. Because, like, Blade Runner, the first Blade Runner, I watched that one in 2019, when it was, like, taking place in 2019, I'm, like... Okay, that's weird. I'm but then this balls. one was worse because we just had like what two Jeffrey Dahmer somethings like a show and a, a movie yeah. recently. Uh, the show more recently, Jeffrey Dahmer. I love that guy. What the fuck? That's so weird. But uh, moving on to a talking point. Um, give me a question. Fuck you. <laughs> um, I'm gonna make it a Superman related one because that's where my brain is right now. Okay, fine. If you had to design a costume for Superman, whether it be for like, like a, a regular, like a default costume, yeah. not a weird, crazy thing, just a, this is what he's going to wear for this movie, yeah. TV show, comic run, whatever. What, what would it be? What would it consist of? Describe how do you want it? Underpants, no underpants, shade of blue. Do you want the, so, how do you want the cape okay, to listen, drape listen, all, the, all listen, of it? Listen, shut your fucking mouth. First off, the cape needs to sit like knight's armor cape, kind of like Man of Steel cape, yeah. where it's like it's not tucked into the shirt. It's like plated in, kind of. But um, so I guess there would be like maybe hints of silver, or maybe just like blue plating, whatever. It's Kryptonian technology, whatever. Mm-hmm. The suit, it's not from his mom on Earth that made it. It's Kryptonian. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be. From the crash site. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the traditional red and blue. Okay. Uh, so, do you, when so you say tra- what, like, are you talking traditional red and blue? Like, give me an example of that, because there's a lot of traditional red. Like, Chris- what shade? Like, uh, like the Reeves movies. Yes, like that. Okay. Reeves. Okay. Traditional red and blue. Okay. Um, big. Superman chest emblem. Like, it covers his whole chest. It's not just, like, stupid, like, small one. Stop doing that. <laughs> it's, like, a big, giant one. He's got almost, like, a barrel chest type of thing. Um, he has... What type of crest? Uh, it would probably be... Uh, when I was younger, I always did the Kingdom Come uh, crest. I liked that one a lot. Um... But I think it would just be the normal crest that we see, like normal Superman S. Black innard instead of yellow. He has the Superman on the cape. No! I love the Superman symbol on Uh, the cape. But listen, 
it's like uh, embroidered. And it's the same color as the cape. Okay, now we're talking. There we go. That's what I like. It's embroidered. It's the same thickness as this on the chest, but it's embroidered on the cape, and it's the same color as the cape. Okay, I buy it's it. It's just a texture thing. Yeah, that's fair. There you go. You could do some fun shadow work with that, too. Yeah, you could. Interesting. Uh, it's a texture thing. Mm -hmm. um, he has big old booties, like normal, um, mm -hmm. and it's got like that M shape like from the uh, Justice League cartoons, mm -hmm. like on the top of the boots, like yeah. that weird M shape. Uh, of course, utility belt where it's like uh, he has the underwear, but the utility belt is kind of like uh, has the uh, little belt loops. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. So it's kind of like a normal Superman, except embroidered S on the back and big chest symbol. And also the cape isn't tucked into the shirt. It's like attached. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So do you, what color is the utility belt? Yellow? Uh might be like charcoal kind of like charcoal like so the inside of the s would be like maybe like a charcoal like it's almost black yeah but it's like kind of like this yeah like your hoodie sorry for the view uh for the people listening <laughs> it's, it's a it's a dark gray yeah it's like a dark gray um and so would probably the utility belt type of thing but it's not really a <sighs> what shape is the belt buckle i was just gonna get to that probably like squarish interesting i don't like the oval that much um might be squarish, and I don't like the Superman symbol on the belt buckle. That's a bit much. Yeah, so it'd be like, or, or I'm sorry, rectangular, not squarish. Yeah, rectangular. Um, does he have what do the what do the wrists look like? Are there any? Just, is it does it just end? Is it just blue all the way to the wrist? It might be like a, so you know that like kind of metallic part that like his capes attached. Yeah, it would kind of be something like that, maybe, mm -hmm. or maybe it would just end. Interesting. I really would have to draw it to like figure it out. Interesting. Um, and maybe not the M's on the boots. Maybe it's just like normal fucking boots. But it's all like it's it's like skin tight, of course. Interesting. Um skin tight where if when he moves it does wrinkle. That's hot. Yes. Nice. I can get on board with this. And of course it has the uh curl. Well yeah. Superman with no hair curl is no Superman. Yes. So, yeah. I could see that. I really like the idea for the embroidered... Uh, That's an interesting one. I hadn't thought of I've that. I've never heard of that before. That's interesting. Never heard of that before, and I just came up with it on the spot. How long do you want the cape? Do you want it, like, dragging on the ground? I kind of like it where... You know, like, the, the size of the Batman's cape? Yeah. I kind of... <sighs> I kind of like it that way, but it makes him look like... Superman's not supposed to feel childish. So I think it would be, like... Man of Steel yeah. size, so it would kind of maybe big, be yeah, dragging big, on the cape. Big on, dragon drapey yeah, thing. Yeah, I think it would. I like it when Shazam has the mini cape. I wasn't saying mini cape, though. No, like, don't make it. Like the, yeah, like the Batman and like upwards. I like it's that like sometimes. It it's like it stops at the, at the like, Achilles like, heel. Yeah. That's, that, that's what it would yeah. be. That's okay. normal Superman. Eh, somewhere in there. Flat, flat bottom? Uh, yeah. Mm, flat yeah. bottom. Interesting. I haven't seen anything else. What? Mm. Has anyone? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you want to do a Batman on the bottom. I don't fucking know. You can come up with all sorts of weird shit. No, it just doesn't fit Superman. Mm, that's why I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> Superman, you kind of have to keep the basics. Not because you can't change his outfit, but because the basic suit says so much about him. I think itself. it's. It like represents him so well. 
it's something that's kind of a there's a I plugged a, a video recently which was which was really interesting. It's uh, from Nando V Movies. He has a second channel where he does like random bullshit. It's underwear discourse, um, and it's one of the things where I thought was interesting. It's like it's I don't necessarily agree on the underwear itself, but I get the mentality behind it. Is like if you aren't able to make the underwear work, maybe you shouldn't be doing Superman. And I get it. I don't necessarily agree on that. I think you don't. I, I think in the comics you should pretty much always have the underwear. I think movies. I I get sometimes not like whatever, but I get the that's something I get in my mind where it's like there are some things that like there's so much of his costume like it doesn't it can be kind of silly and like overly vibrant like that's kind of the point. Like, hey, and when here you, I am, I'm a shining light. Right. Like you don't when you when you over. When you hyperfixate on making it different than that, like it, you're kind of missing the point. Like you yes. can do that with a lot of characters. You can do all sorts of shit with like a Batman costume. Yeah, that's but true. like Superman is like there's some. How many parts of the ship of Theseus do you remove before it's no longer the same ship? Yeah. You know. And I think because ba- well, Batman just has more elements to his suit, you can kind of remove a lot. So you can has, fuck around with it a he lot. He also has like more to his personality in the sense of like what 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 he is shown to yeah. be there's different like there's brawler batman there's like horror batman there's all these things but superman is like i am shining light i am i am a father of two or i'm a father of one i have a wife yeah. i i'm blah 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 i think it's also because batman typically isn't in the daytime as much so like yep. even though you can do so many different detail work he's still at the bat the black blob with the little pointy ears in the corner like you can do so many things with pointy, that pointy like, ears and the eyes every batman yeah. kind of looks like that yeah. and that's the thing where superman he, there's a lot of su- there's a lot of superheroes because he was the first that look really similar mm-hmm. so when you start stripping away some of those things it can get kind of uh, kind of meh or if you should. I don't know. I don't, I'm assuming you've seen it by now. But the version of it was a very loose adaptation of the Kingdom Come suit, but for um, what's his name? Fuck. Is this yeah. the actor who did Arrow. it? He yeah. It was for it was during the Crisis crossover yep. they did. The crossover was bad. Yep. But it was um. Good. Yeah. It was um. What's his name? He played Superman in Superman Returns, and yeah, then they have a no. Yeah, but like they had um one super wasted in that movie he is really good in especially in that crossover mm-hmm. he's the best thing there but that suit's pretty close to what you're describing because he's got them big old boy panties on mm-hmm. and it is mostly darker but like it's still it's still vibrant and pops yes but it also has the the, the hot black, the black background i think oh. the black makes like the red pop more at the yes. end might be a little too much i tend to agree that's why i like either yeah black or charcoal or the, that's why i like the silver additions on like the um the Man of Steel suit in particular. Um, I actually like, uh, I have a hot take on that one. I like, originally the Man of Steel suit didn't have any yellow on it. They changed that in production. Um, mm-hmm. The teaser image for the costume, the emblem is just the blue, the same blue background as the, the thing. I like that. I like the sil. It gives it like the silver with the dark navy with the like maroon. It's like, it's smooth. Yes. It's got something to it. Whereas like, there's a time and a place for like gold and whatever and that's yes. fine. But like, there's something about that. It just tickles my brain. It tickles it's, the worm in the back of your it brain. It does. It's yep. slippery. You know what tickles my brain? Jeff Lorenz tickles your brain. Yes. Yes. Uh, big thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash dime comic bros network. Uh, Jeff Lorenz, a buddy of ours, and Caitlin, they keep the lights on. Uh, Jeff recently put out a, another issue of a comic he's been working on that we finally got our grubby hands on. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I got my hands on it a couple weeks ago. 
Uh, but we'll be sure to plug that. He's been doing some great work. Colin hung out with him yesterday, so that's why I'm... And I, today. I, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, you got me amazing Christmas presents. Oh, me, we'll go If you want to get exclusive access to uh, Dime Comic Bros and Dime Gaming Bros Happy Hour, where the whoever's hosting the podcast just kind of crack open a beer, talk mad shit, talk about whatever, um, that's exclusive to our Patreon. You also get early access to all of our podcasts by a couple of days. That includes Dime Comic Bros, this podcast, and our secondary podcast, Dime Gaming Bros, where Jacob and I talk about video games and stuff. <laughs> also get exclusive clips and segments, just random stuff we pull out of the podcast because it makes no sense. Uh, but sometimes we drop some funny memes, uh, as well as stickers, uh, all done, all designs done by Colin. <sighs> Fucking gassy. <clears throat> I smell it. As well as uh, sketches and commissions, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, if you want to help support the show, it's greatly appreciated. Also, a thank you to our partners over at Jetpack Comics and Games in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire. Uh, that's where we buy almost all of our current ongoing comics or miniseries. Uh, they have trades, omnibus, om, omnibuses, as we call them on this show, um, absolute editions, hardcovers, deluxe editions, everything you can imagine. Uh, they got lots of game stuff, card games, dice games, board games, party games, video games, all the stuff. Uh, so go show them some love from us. Be greatly appreciated. Next episode is going to be a news week as well as a few talking points because it's just we're in a little bit of a, of a slow period for stuff. Thank God. Need the break. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it'll be all three of us. We'll have a hoot and a holler of a time. Uh, make sure to tune in for that. If you want to check out our website, it's dimecomicbros.com. Send us an email at dimecomicbros at gmail.com. If you have any feedback, questions, concerns, comments, etc., go check out our Twitter and Instagram for updates, teasers, and assorted memeage. And uh, we'll we'll see you next week, but not with our eyes. You'll hear us with your ears. We won't hear you because you can't talk. I'm gonna hear back. you shitting. What? Yep. Oh dear. Bye. I like being the guy that's not really talking to other people. Just like, hey, do you want artwork? Or, uh, can you do artwork for me? I'm like, yeah, here's budget, here's that, and I'll do it for you. But other than that, I'm like, you want friends? Here's Jacob and Spencer. (laughs) I'm not the guy. Yeah.